Hello. Here we are again. Third time's the charm, they say. Today, I'm going to be discussing something that intertwines a little bit with Christmas and the holiday spirit, while at the same time goes hand in hand for the misadventurer in your life. Now, misadventure, what does that mean? <laughs> well, how many times have I been on an adventure, a trip, an expedition where I had equipment that was either amazing and did the job right, it was either under par and didn't do the trick, or it was absolutely terrible crap gear that uh, could have risked my life uh, in this situation. So, um, so this is why I've decided to tell you all the gifts that I would recommend for you to get your partner, friend, brother, father, sibling, sister, mother's cousin's dog's owner, just because they are what you need at the time that you truly need it. And so to kick off this a little bit, let me begin with the story of a dry bag. I'm in Belize and um, I'm in my youth. I must have been about 22, 23 years old. And I've joined three Swedes on this that I, I randomly met on a tiny island called Key Cocker in Belize. And, and I said to them, hey, I was able to rent, to rent this tiny Hobie cat. Uh, well, Hobie cat, it was actually a Nacro 5.2. So bigger than a Hobie cat. And I've decided that I'm going to tie a kayak to the back of the, the sailboat, the catamaran, fill it with fresh water and gear. And I'm going to go off into the horizon in search of speckled sands and other spots to find and camp. So, of course, I didn't have, um, I didn't have uh, all the equipment that I would normally be traveling with. But I had a sailboat. I had three friends that were willing to, new friends that were willing to go on one of those Hmm, questionable trips. And, uh, and I had a lot of gusto. <laughs> so after much deliberating, it was uh, two girls and a guy, the Swedes that had uh, joined me. And uh, there was definitely some conflict between two of them. We're like, how are we going to join this crazy Canadian guy? He's sailing off. I don't think he even knows how to sail. Do you think it's going to be amazing? But yes, look at the water. It looks spectacular and beautiful. So, so all of these... Um, conversations were going on and I'm just getting the, the, the boat ready until eventually they decide, yes, we're going to, to, to join you. Really, truly like one of the, uh, the beach uh, moments. So, um, so we get into the, uh, onto the catamaran because it's only big enough for the four of us. Like you can't put any more gear, otherwise it'll start sinking. And, and we load and we tie a, a, a rope to a kayak and it's behind us. And we're pulling this and the gentleman who is an expat who's like, yeah, you know, he rented, he literally rented me this, this catabran for like 300 bucks for an undetermined amount of days. And he says, uh, and he's, and he's waving to us from shore as, as we leave. And then we're getting deeper and deeper into, into the ocean. And it clearly looks like the, 
the sailboat is kind of sinking a little bit. Um, but we haven't noticed yet, but it seems that there was a gentleman on shore that had. And this was the catamaran owner. And he's staring at us and he's frantically waving about like a madman. And we have no idea why. So we're out, I'd say a good kilometer, kilometer and a half. We can no longer see the guy on the beach. It looks like he just sat down dejected. And, and then we, we realized we're sinking. And, and the, the pontoons on each side are going deeper and deeper into the water. So, so we're wondering, what the hell is going on? And it just gets worse and worse. And obviously, the Swedes that I'm with are in a bit of a dizzy. They're, they're like, okay, we made the wrong decision. We joined this Canadian, and now we're all going to drown. <laughs> because I do believe we had two life jackets for the four of us. So another great gift idea, life jacket, but I'll, I'll go on to that in a moment. And so the, the cat's sinking, and, um, and in, in the distance, we, we see a motorboat. But we start waving at him frantically, and it doesn't seem like he notices at all. And we're wondering, what the hell? Why are we sinking? And so I jump in the water, and I realize that behind the pontoon, the guy that had rented us the boat had forgotten to put the drainage caps back on. So each pontoon on each side had taken up a ton of water and we were literally going to <laughs> lower and lower and lower in the water. I was going to say like going to be joining Poseidon, <laughs> a little bit too dramatic, but, but we were sinking. And yes, it's warm water, but even in warm water after a certain period of time, um, you, you will get hypothermic if you're just floating there for, for hours. So, so the, myself and Ludwig, the guide, jump in the water to take weight off of the cat while the girls are still on it. And we're just wondering, what the hell are we going to do? So the girls are waving frantically. And perhaps this might have been why the motorboat turned around. But it turns around and it comes to us. And uh, we tell him our, his situation. And he says, no worries, man. Just uh, tie a rope to your bow and I'll pull you in. So, uh, so the girls get on his boat. I tie a rope to the cat and he pulls us uh, to shore. Now, at the time, I only had a few dry bags. So uh, most of our gear got sopping wet and um, most of the gear, most of the clothes really, because the gear I did have in, in protective cases for my cameras and stuff. And we make it to this deserted little beach, the sail, the, the, boat guy can't get that close so we're able to push the cat in and of course the deliberation starts between the Swedes of okay we've got to get back this adventure is done nothing went right from the outset um, and whatnot let's ask that boat guy or another guy to to take us back and I told him hey listen you know that the boat the guy forgot to put the caps on the boat how the hell are we supposed to know that it wasn't exactly our uh, our fault so the deliberation goes on late into the evening and, uh, and by morning they decide to continue on with me. But I'll stop here for a second on my unbelievable trip and tell you one of the items that would have made everybody's life all the better on this misadventure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that would have been just a good quantity, three or four dry bags from a brand, which I like very much and I shoot for as well, called Mustang Survival. So those dry bags, 
they're stuff sacks, completely waterproof. You take all the air out and this, and you roll, roll them down. And it's definitely an item that's, uh, you have 10 liter, five liters, 20 liters, 30 liters. Um, and each size is great for, for different things. So if your partner is a fisherman, then the 10 liter is awesome to throw in some tackle and maybe a, a jacket and whatnot. If, uh, if your, your partner is a sea kayaker, then the 10 liter is perfect to stuff into your kayak. One bag will take your sleeping bag and whatnot. Uh, another one can take some, some dry clothes and your mattress and tent, things, things as such. And if you're a canoe tripper, then the 30 liter will do you uh, just dandy. And of course, another thing that would have been fantastic that uh, would have kept this adventure, made it even more successful, would have been if we all had proper life jackets. So again, Mustang Survival makes some fantastic ones. And I really like their low-profile ones, which also have a canister to inflate. So that means the life jacket doesn't have to be as big when you're wearing it. And, uh, and you can always just pull and it'll inflate. Now, that's a few of the items that I would highly recommend um, for Christmas for the water lover in your family. Kicking off with another misadventure, um, but a little bit different this time. And it's just to illustrate that when I say what's the right gear or gifts to give the misadventure in your life, that some things you don't always think of. Grab a sip of my coffee here. Mm. Lovely. So, um, so I'll, I'll head over to Ecuador, where I'm on an expedition with a buddy of mine named Wangsu. And we're going to climb Cotopaxi. We're going to mountaineer it. We've got a guide. And we're at about 4,000 meters of elevation. Now, that night, we had a cheap, cheap ramen soup, one of those little ones that you just pour, pour boiling water in. And, you know, food is part of gear. So having the proper dehydrated foods would have likely made the misadventure not be what it was. But we're at altitude, and I haven't been up that high that long. And I've just combined my beginning of the expedition and of this mountaineering trip with some terribly low-quality food. And we get up to the, the – there's a hut there, and, uh, and we get into our sleeping bags. It's a minus 15 Celsius around, minus 20. And uh, in the middle of the night, I wake up feeling absolutely terrible. Um, altitude sickness is um, far, far worse than, than anything I can describe if it were to come to, um, to like nausea or seasickness. The difference with altitude sickness and seasickness is on the one hand, the one that you're on a boat, you're like, well, I, when I get to land, this will eventually end. On the other hand, altitude sickness, <laughs> your thoughts are, if I don't get the, the mountain fast enough, then I could probably die. <laughs> so there's that quite, quite a differentiator between the two, simply on knowing that if you don't get down to lower elevation, then you could, your situation could get much, much worse. So I wake up in the night and I am feeling horrible, like I'm dying. And I begin to be sick and vomit and it just it looked like a horror movie <laughs> so 
something from like poltergeist or <laughs> and Wangs is on the bunk below me in this hut and i not i he just told me he's like sorry for the, the grotesqueness of this he's like but i saw a waterfall go off the bed <laughs> and it was gross and i felt absolutely like death so i know that it's it's the wee hours of the morning and i have to get back down the mountain otherwise i could die because <laughs> that's how altitude sickness uh worse gets worse can get worse and uh and so the guide comes up and here i am you know feeling like absolute death covered in yucky stuff and telling him like hey i got to get down the mountain right now and the guy looks at me absolutely shocked and and i'm like what's your shock and he turns to me and he says you sleep in boxers in your sleeping bag <laughs> i'm like i'm dying here and all you can think about is that i sleep in boxers in my sleeping bag i'm like yes i'm canadian <laughs> and um and so one of the things you know and in the end i think that guide stole my down jacket but i i digress maybe it's because we had to cut the the trip short and i was definitely out of sorts but that's definitely a trip where having the right gear again would have been fantastic so a few items that i would have preferred to have on that trip would have been uh some proper dehydrated foods healthy ones um not too laden with salt something from like a company like good to go foods um or backcountry meals but going for the absolute cheapest um noodle thing that i could find was uh definitely definitely not um key another thing was when we we started off early early in the morning when it was still dark to get down the mountain um and we had these crappy crappy headlamps um and we just couldn't illuminate our way very well which being feeling terribly ill and knowing that i had to get down didn't just compounded the situation so on that note you know having a very powerful strong headlamp like the ones that led lenser makes would have been uh spectacular see over the years i've learned which items make the trip much better and which ones without them can be absolutely catastrophic so so that was my ecuador cotopaxi trip definitely the gear that you would want uh, to have on that one I recapped a little bit I'll recap a little bit but um a good medical kit proper down jacket the uh the headlamps from led lenser all of this would have dearly dearly helped next up I'll jump into an item that as a family explorer uh, is is something that I'm thoroughly enjoying. So, a lot of the canoe trips uh that we do now, I like to get to a lake that isn't next to the car. So, this implies I have to take the canoe or the kayaks all the way uh maybe 7 kilometers to the beginning of a lake and then start paddling from there. Now, add to the fact that I've got 3 kids and this is a completely different organizational ball game. But I've found a way around it. Normally, I would take a normal bike and bike in my gear aside like portage in the boat then i come out then i bike in some gear stash it go out bike in some more gear stash it and then go out and then bring my whole family but now <clears throat> i found an absolutely new and unique way 
to be able to take all my gear. And that's with a quiet cat e-bike. E These bikes, not only do they have um, the, the assistance when you're pedaling, but they've got full throttle. So in essence, um, they're low-powered, in a way, motorbikes. Well, I, would, I don't know if I'd say low-powered because the 1,000-watt bike can pull three concrete blocks on the trailer. And there's also a trailer. So now I'm able to get my gear deeper to a spot where I'm going to start with my family, set everything there, and then go back and get everyone and do this much more easily versus trying to just do it on my own, uh, for my own strength and, and, and whatnot. So these e-bikes, I went up for a ride with my lady the other day and uh, we didn't even have to pedal. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was raining, it was cold, the, it, it was the cusp of winter, and it felt great because sometimes the ride is about uh, the pedaling and sometimes it's about getting to your destination in a different way that's just as lovely. Let's see now. I think I've got a lovely listener on the line and I'd like her to request to get online. And I know she's a lovely listener because she's my wife. Let's see if we can get her to tell us what gear she would recommend for this Christmas, whether it be for the wife in your life or whether it be for your kids or your husband. Let's see now. Okay. I'm ready to take next caller. All right. Hello. Yes, yes. Hello, love, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm here with Ariella. Ah, our littlest one, our four-month-old. Yeah, she's listening to your podcast and loving it because she's been very quiet since. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, what gear would you recommend for either uh, a wife, hey. uh, kids, and and if, if there are any stories... <laughs> of where gear has either failed us or where it has been amazing, I'd love to hear them. So I'm all ears. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking there, there's so many gear going through my mind, kids and, and myself. But let's say I'll, uh, I'll start with uh, kids. I think uh, a great gift. I, I mean, at this, when the kid is small, you're kind of gifting the mom more than the kid. Um, and she'll be very thankful is if you uh, buy a couple of wool layers for your kids. Uh, going into winter, I think um, it is important for your kids to dress warmly and appropriately. And uh, a couple of wool base layers to put under your snowsuit, under your rain gear, whether it be socks or, um, or uh, bottoms or tops, I think uh, this is a great idea. And definitely the, the, the merino is the best. But you, you, you sound like our children like to run into the water and out and in and out. Thank you. <laughs> yes, kind of like your, their daddy, right? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, um, definitely it will keep them warm. It will dry fast and um, it will make for happier kids. All right. So what is the best travel stroller that we've used because we've used almost every stroller under the sun. For a travel stroller, I would go with the Thule Urban Glide. It okay. uh, collapses very easily. Um, yeah. And um, 
You can also bring what, what tires tires that can go through anything. Tires that can go through sand, snow, ice. Uh, definitely, this one won't break on you, and um, it will uh, go places how, with you. Do you think we? How how many countries do you think we've taken uh, the Thule Urban Glide on? We have taken it on sand in the Caribbean, in New Zealand. We've taken it to Iceland, um, pretty much everywhere in Canada and the USA, because we did a big road trip where we crossed Canada and the USA. Huh, that could be another podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, for sure. Uh, um, where else have we taken it? On ice. I actually go, I take it on the yep. skating rink when I take the kids skating. So um, I wipe the tires and they let me bring it in with me so I can take Ariela. And uh, so, um, yeah. Yep. But it's important to tell people that they can use that stroller if they're expecting a kid or if they have a toddler because it has an adapter for the car seat. Exactly. That's where I was going. And it's easily removable. So I use the same stroller for my baby who is four months old and I use a stroller adapter and I detach it when I need to use it for my other kid, Catalina, who's uh, almost three years old. And uh, it is very easy to uh, put and remove. And um, and you also have the double Urban Glide, which I use often as well. And this one fits both a car seat and uh, and another kid. What you you mean because one kid won't be angry if he's on the stroller without the other one? <laughs> I manage actually. I managed to put all three kids in a double stroller. <laughs> all right. Now I have I have another winter item. I already know kind of what you're going to answer, but uh, not specifically on which sleeping bag but if a lot of women um are hesitant about winter camping and you and i took a lot of influencers um namely seven years ago uh before yeah. kids yeah <laughs> that would be at least five yeah. time flies so, so we went on a winter mm -hmm. camping trip and one thing that i've learned from you is let's say it's minus 15 celsius what do you like your sleeping bag to be rated at when you're doing a winter camping trip? I always take the warmest. I would take my negative 40 Celsius, so which is the warmest I have. And I like to be cozy. I like to be warm. And this one is like heaven because you just roll into your sleeping bag, zip it up, and it's like a, a toaster. You're really and, radiating a lot of heat. Sorry, is that the Nemo Cannon you're referring to, sleeping bag? Yeah. Now, another yeah. question now that I have you here. <laughs> How do you sleep in the tent with a baby and two toddlers? The, um, okay. So the tent has to have uh, about, I think our ours is a 3P. We fit five. <laughs> it's tight, but we make it happen. Uh, there's about, it fits about three mattresses. So the... The floor of the tent has to be covered in mattresses. Then um, I'm in the middle. I have Mickey on my left in his own sleeping bag and his own pillow. Uh, I'm in my sleeping bag. I have Ariella with me in my sleeping bag. And Catalina is on my right side in her own sleeping bag. I have to say that when I have Ariella in my sleeping bag, she and what is not wearing yep. a snowsuit uh, or anything too warm because together our body generates so much heat that we're kind of sweating in the sleeping bag. And what's um, what's Catalina wearing? Uh, wool base layers. 
Yeah. And but if it's sleep? really bag. cold nights, because Catalina moves a lot, uh, she'll usually uh, end up with a sleeping bag unzipped. Um, so she would wear wool layers, merino wool, and then a fleece, fleece yeah. and hopefully a tube as well and socks. Yeah, but where I was going with this is the Harrison sleeping bag. The, the Morrison. Morrison sleeping bag, yeah. It, it's a sleeping bag that it's it's basically like a human sleeping bag in regards that it has legs and arms. And so so we, you put this on and it's got closed uh, feet and hands. And Catalina and Mikio have both been sleeping in these on their own when mommy's got Ariella in her sleeping bag. And this helps us out a lot because normally the two other kids want to jump in our sleeping bags too. And that creates a draft and then everybody wakes up cold in the morning. Whereas when they're in these human little sleeping bags, um, they, they're able to, to stay warm and they don't need us in that regard. And they don't wake up as much at, at night in the tent. And I, yeah. uh, I think that's a great Christmas item for people to think about when, uh, when they're thinking about like, oh, there's a family and they're adventurous. What should we gift them? This Morrison right. Outdoors baby. And this one okay. is rated until about four years old. Uh, for right. and yeah, yeah. for um, for merino wool base layers for little kids and babies. Sorry, I couldn't hear your question. Oh, can you give me a couple names for merino wool uh, base layers for? Uh, yes. Uh, if you are based in Canada, you want to um, look at Wee Woolies. Uh, w e e. Can you help me with the spelling? W o o l i e s. Okay, so these this company is based out of Vancouver Island. It's a family business. Very nice people, very kind people. We actually met met them randomly uh, kite surfing on a beach uh, in Vancouver Island. Um, if you are from the states, yep. I would recommend Rama, which is um, you know they have all yep. sorts of snowsuits and wool base layers and shoes so it has a lot of options on the website and you also have for merino our, wool our base kids. layer explore yep who's a, another brand who specializes only in base layers and yep and this one is uh, spelled i uh, k s p l o r right yes yes explore. yeah um, so those are great items all all for kids now We've, I, you know, even I, as a husband, I probably have to work on this more, and and I tend to focus a lot on that uh, gifts for the kids. But what would an adventuring lady like you want for this Christmas? Uh, hmm. <laughs> what would I want uh, that I don't already have? Uh, you always surprise me. So um, I'd say if if it's mm. for winter. Um, well, you know, a, a Sunto watch, <laughs> a good watch for your lady. Ah. Um, I, I love my watch because, uh, I keep yep. track of, you know, my, um, uh, my steps and my calories and I, my workouts during the week and skiing and all the activities I do. And then it allows me to see how active I was during the week. Also track my sleeping schedule. Um, I think a good watch is always a great item to have. And yeah. um, uh, definitely you scored with the e-bike. So that's going to be hard to Great. beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it came pre-Christmas, but, you know, there's there's still more 
more things that uh, that could come down down the road for sure. Now I'm going to keep you on the line, love, because this is going great. <laughs> and uh, okay, uh, as long as the kids allow me to. <laughs> yeah, they're not uh, climbing up the walls right now. Because uh, no, no, Katarina we're, we're, is uh, changing for the fourth time, but nothing new here. <laughs> can you tell people how uh, our six-bedroom, four-bathroom condo is it? Do we have a six-bedroom, four-bathroom? Oh, uh, uh, let no? me look. Okay, I'm trying to find the other rooms. So, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we are a family of five living in a one-bedroom apartment. Am I correct? Yes. yes. But we... You are. And where am I now, though? You are in your office in Happy. It's an office, a home. <laughs> it's our yeah. It's our Happy. <laughs> and it's Airstream, but they don't know what Happy is. So you have to tell them Happy is an Airstream. And for when, when I speak to... Uh, non-adventure people and I'm like oh yeah I have an Airstream and they give me that like nod and smile but I really have no idea what you're talking about and then I'm like oh you know the old movies you see like a uh, a camper that looks like a bullet and it's silver and they're like oh yeah those do they still make those I'm like yes yes quite so we have one <laughs> so uh, so right now so we do live in a one bedroom at the base of Whistler Blackcomb you could throw a rock to the gondola from where we live um, it's a spectacular place normally excuse me, we travel eight months a year uh, prior to the pandemic, so we would, wouldn't be home that often. And one of the really neat ways that we are able to live in such an expensive place is that when we travel, we Airbnb our place. And because it's across the street from the gondola, it, it goes for a, quite, a, quite a pretty penny. Um, but due to the pandemic, things have changed a little bit and we're not moving around as much. And we have a third child that arrived not too long ago. So, uh, so we're home more often, but, uh, yes, we are a family of five that lives in a one bedroom with an Airstream and that moves around a lot. And folks, it works. are you happy though? I am very happy and I'm contemplating yep. my new kitchen. I'm, uh, very impressed. Literally, <laughs> literally, we just changed the countertop in the kitchen, got a nice quartz countertop after, 20 years of that old kitchen, I think. <laughs> you, you also have to say that to make it work, to live in a one bedroom with five kids, you have to be very organized. So no gear is allowed yes. in the house. <laughs> um, and uh, yep. toys always go back in their toy box. Uh, yeah, you got to keep a certain order. Otherwise, it just gets uh, crowded very, very great, fast. Great, great item that uh, helps us keep organized is the Thule Go box. It's this folding... Uh, crate basically it folds flat down to uh, to, a, to a, a, a square but flat and uh, and then it folds out like an accordion in the shape of a crate and this is one of the items that we use a lot to take the gear in and out of our unit to the airstream to the storage uh, to the groceries and uh, and it's another awesome like it's one of those products that really solves a problem so highly recommend the Tuligo box it helps us in our crazy organizational uh, world a fair bit um, we are also big big on uh, cooking outside and camping and whatnot so so this year wolf and grizzly has come out with a grill set that my wife and i are constantly saying why didn't anybody think of this before? <laughs> and it's basically a, a rolling little grill and fire pit that keeps the ground from getting scorched and at the same time allows you to cook a sumptuous meal without having to prop rocks here and there. Um, and that's definitely another item that I wanted to add in there for the camping uh, lifestyle uh, of things. Um, 
and and you know gear for us people say oh it's things and you know you should be a bit more of a puritan and whatnot but uh the right gear allows us uh, to be quite happy on our adventure so to give you another idea i'm going to ask you a question in a second love what we have a power station from a company called EcoFlow. It's the Delta Pro. They they raised like six million dollars um, on um, on Kickstarter. Such a, a, a you know forward and uh, and technologically advanced power station. And what are the different things that you know or that we power uh, as a camper lifestyle um, with this power station? Oh, hello? Yeah, yeah. That was a question for you. I want you to answer what what we use the power station. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to have, uh, I like to make my green smoothies in the morning. Uh, you know, on the road, it's very easy to just like, just eat chips and things on the go. So to be a little bit healthier, I take my Vitamix with us uh, when, you know, uh, when there is enough room to do so. So I can power my Vitamix and make delicious juices. We also uh, use it to plug happy sometimes uh, when we can't use our generator. Um, it has enough power for that. And uh, we've used it for our phones, laptops. Um, I have yet to use it for my hair dryer, but that's when you let me bring a hair dryer in yeah. happy. We, we, yes, I, I don't know. You've tried before, and it's one of those items that suddenly it was left at home somehow. <laughs> Not sure how, but it was left at home. Um, <laughs> thanks for all those tips, Lev. Um, I appreciate you coming on your husband's third episode. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, I will uh, let you go. I'm going to get the kids yeah. ready. And um, Sounds yeah, good. Thank you. I hope I, uh, I will um, chat more on another different podcast. I'm sure you will. And thanks for always being the best support I could ever have. All right. Bye now. Bye, love. All right. And uh, so that gave you a bit of a tip of, you know, the type of stuff we love as a family uh, for this Christmas holidays and gear and, and what to get. Um, I'm going to move on into a bit more in the misadventures. I really love telling our the stories of our misadventures. Well, but, ah, so hmm, I'm like, which one do I go with first? Uh, and, <laughs> This is how my mind works. Um, so I'm going to actually, now that I had my lady online, I'm going to tell you the story of how I met her. Now, you've gotten the idea that we are wilderness backcountry people, right? So we spend a lot of time in the forest, camping, hiking, and whatnot. So we were in Yoho National Park, and this is uh, 15 years ago, right? And um, before, before I had I, never never met this girl and I'm, I'm on a trail that's got a big sign at the entrance saying, you know, beware grizzly. And I'm, I'm pretty habituated to being in the wilderness. Um, and even 15 years ago, I'm pr pretty, pretty accustomed. I've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, all the canoe camping, canoe tripping, hiking, backpacking, all that jazz. And, and I'm hiking along solo and I usually have my earphones on, which is probably not the smartest thing, but I'm, comfortable enough most of the time and that that i if i feel that there's anything to be concerned i turn on a little speaker um and that's something that's great when you're hiking alone in the forest in uh, the mountains or the rockies in places where there might be a lot of grizzly bears 
um, good to keep or black bears keep them away by them knowing he- hearing you. But in this case, I had just had my earphones on and and I think I took them off and I start to hear a, like a girl in distress. So I run down the trail and I'm brambles are scraping against my face and just as I get there and there's this girl and and about fifty feet away there's just a grizzly and he's like pawing at the ground. And I'm about to lunge forward and the bear starts to run. And that would have been a really cool story about how I met my wife. But really, I walked into a bar and there was this lovely lady and I bought her a glass of wine. So <laughs> that's another one of those stories that I've been saying for uh, 15 years or so. But but in case your partner is the adventure and, and he is going out on hiking trails in the Rockies or in Colorado or wherever bear territory may be, a good can of bear spray is always appreciated to have at the handy. So (laughs) I'll leave that story there for a moment and I'll jump over to why it's important to choose the right gear. Now, I'm a guy that believes in quality 100%. Like I tend to buy uh, products that are at the top of the line. And that's because a lot of gear has failed me or I've bought the wrong gear for the wrong situation. So I'm about 21 years old, 20 years old at the time. And uh, I go with my buddy Kaitsu on this uh, circuitous canoe trip. Excuse me. Circuitous canoe trip. And it's about 75 kilometer canoe trip. And I've rented a Kevlar canoe for this trip. There's about uh, seven portages and portage means to carry. And this is when the sections between lakes that you'll carry your canoe uh, or your equipment to get from one lake to the other. And um, so we've done our portages and then we've done a few rivers. And then we get to a section where it's a class three river. So I'm not sure for those that are unaware what levels of rivers there are. There's class one, class two, class three, class four. Now, class one is basically like fast moving water. Class two, you've got a little bit of white water and a few... Uh, usually a a crux in the rapid, but it's a small one. And then class three, you're getting into much more serious whitewater at this point. And class four, it's a raging river. (laughs) So so we started to hit these sections and we had a class three. And because the the canoe is Kevlar, it's very, very thin. And that's that's why it's so light. And Kevlar, as much as people might think, is extremely strong. When you've got 300 pounds of gear in it or 200 pounds of gear and two people that are 150 pounds plus in it, when you hit rocks and stuff, it really takes a beating. So first river we, we run and, and the canoe's getting smashed up and, and almost capsizes us and we make it to shore and we're like, oh boy, okay, we're a bit over our heads here with, with the gear we brought. By the third river the certain sections of our canoe were paper thin literally paper thin you're like if i poke that a little bit too hard with my finger it's going to go right through the canoe so so it was understandable that when we reached i think it was the fourth river that uh that was a class four we get out of our boats and my buddy kaitsu looks at the river and he says no way man there's just no way we're doing this. You know, we're, <laughs> he's, he's very blunt. He's like, we're going to die. Now this guy ran barefoot. I don't think he, he hadn't run it at the time yet, but to show how hardy he is, he ran barefoot from Montreal all the way 
to the southern coast of Mexico, to Guatemala. So this is how strong this this fellow is. And he's like, no, we're not going to make it through this one, dude. Um, Where, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, if we don't run it, then one of us has to hike about forty kilometers through bush where there's no trail, and it's it will be a nightmare um, with no gear and et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, no, 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 man, the canoe can't take another hit. We just can't do it. And we're standing there for forty five minutes. I'm like trying to convince him we got to run this rapid and finally he's like no 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 we're not i'm not going to do it so i turned to him and i'm a little bit exasperated because this a implies a really big portage and b we didn't have that much time left or food for that trip so i turn around a bit flustered and i'm like fine let's go and then he's like okay let's do it I'm like what do you mean <laughs> okay let's do it yeah, yeah yeah you just changed your mind at the very last second he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it all right so we jump in the uh, canoe before he has any chance to take take his change his mind, and we're running these epic class four rapids, and the canoe is just going way down, hits a rapid way up, the bow is flying in midair way down. I'd say three or four times within that section, we were getting tipped and getting tipped with a canoe that's half broken and gear going everywhere would have been an absolute nightmare. But I have no idea how we managed to make it through the rapids. And when we got to the flat of the lake again, we were just like, woo, woo, woo. And picture, we're lifting our, our arms and yelping and like, oh my God, and the adrenaline rush of making it through. And then right away, we're like, whoa, whoa, hold on to the canoe. It's because the canoe had gotten, while we made it, it was totally swamped. So they're very unstable. And so we could have quickly tipped had we not... Uh, had we continued to do our yelping of of success of adrenaline, um, so so we made it to shore and we pulled over, emptied all the water, and were able to continue our journey. And the canoe was still um, intact. When I'll advance it here on this story, but when we brought the canoe back to the place we had rented it from, the Mech store, uh, they said this is an absolute total loss. The canoe is garbage to us now. And I said, hey, I was the first guy to reserve this canoe a year prior or something like that. And you guys gave me the wrong one. And I told you what what rapids I was going on and what section I was doing. So we agreed upon a small fee. I think it was like 200 bucks and a slap on the hand. And basically all of this to say that we should have gotten and rented a Royal X canoe. So important to get the right gear for your partner or significant other based on what adventure they're doing. And in that case, what I needed was a Royal X canoe, not a Kevlar one. Um, so that's another one of the, the misadventures that's related to, to really getting the best gear. And I'm going to close off with a very expensive item, but if you can get it, um, it is indeed uh, for us, it was life-changing. And my wife mentioned it earlier, and it's happy. Happy is our Airstream. And we're ambassadors for happy. And, uh, and we've been so for, for some years now. And they are the, bo- the best made campers money can buy. And they're classics, right? And they're made, made in America, made in the USA. And, and we're, we're dr- to give you an idea of how when, when you have the right gear that, that survives a situation, this is a, a pretty case in point where approaching Yellowknife and Yellowknife gets extremely cold um, and, and the roads get heaves. So they basically get these like 
uh, BMX bumps all along them that don't get fixed because there aren't, isn't enough traffic up there to warrant fixing them. So I'm going about 60, 70 kilometers an hour and I didn't see the first section of them. And the front of the truck, I have a Tundra and that I was driving at the time, goes airborne and the back tires go airborne. And I turned to my wife and we've got Mikio uh, in the back with us. And I'm like, it's a slow motion turn. And I'm basically saying, we're done. Like, this is not going to be pretty. We're about to have a very big accident. And the Airstream goes airborne. And I have no idea how we stuck the landing. And the truck stayed straight. The Airstream smashed back down. But nobody got flipped. No accident. uh, Except that later on when I checked the Airstream, some of the walls had cracked from the hit being so hard. But all this to say that the quality of the build is so well made that that the rig is meant to uh, to survive a lot of situations like that. So if you can buy your lady an Airstream or if you can buy your husband an Airstream, um, particularly during the pandemic, it has been um, a joy in our life because we're able to get outside, still be away from the world, um, be healthy, not be worried about COVID because the kids aren't touching handrails and uh, <laughs> and stairs and everything else under the sun. Um, and, and it's just added to our lifestyle. And they come, an Airstream has a shower, it has a stove, it has um, a fridge. Ours has a queen bed in the back and in the front, a dinette that turns into a queen as well. And it's right now I'm, I'm having my podcast in the Airstream, which I use as an office um, when, when we're back in, in Whistler. So, so I leave you with that item that is absolutely spectacular for, for gifting. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to us tonight. Uh, it's definitely nice to be on this app and definitely nice to be interacting um, w- with people. And I think there's a lot of potential with Colin because um, we're able to, to do that. You know, we're able to be social. We're able to be our own radio station. And, uh, and that's really neat. You know, I was just commenting to my mom yesterday who used to be a radio show host on Radio Canada 40 years ago. And I'm like, hey, mom, we've gone full circle. I'm now podcasting. And she thought that that was pretty cool. So again, thank you for, for listening tonight. Thank you, Shireen, for coming on the show. Genevieve for listening. Rebecca also for being there. And, uh, and I hope you will continue listening. That, uh, I'll be coming to you two or three times a week, uh, telling you our stories, giving you our gear guides, um, recommending places to go, uh, adventures to be had, and hopefully keeping you from your own misadventures by listening to my advice. So I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners. On this, what are we today? November 30th, 2021. This Expeditioner is going to continue working in his little office. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. À la prochaine. Good night.